Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, your natural dog with Angela Ardolino here. And you know how I like to geek out on cannabis and mushrooms and adaptogens and I could talk about them all day long? Well, my guest today, Jaron Lucas of Yum Wolf, is going to do that with me about coconut oil and MCT oil and super fats and which ones are good for our dogs, which ones are bad, how to stay away from seed oils and things like that. You're going to love this episode. Stay tuned. And we're back, your natural dog and my guest, Jaron Lucas. And you have created your own dog food company. Yeah, we launched Yum Wolf uh, two and a half years ago. We were in product development for a year before that. And uh, anyone who knows me knows how obsessive I get about our formulations. And so um, they take a long time. We're on V2 of all of our products. But everything we do at Yum Wolf is non-GMO, air-dried dog food, uh, low-carb, no peas, legumes, rice, potatoes, really focused on... Um, taking research from microbiome diversity and and kind of like looking at that as our barometer that we're always trying to achieve through our recipes. So it'll be of no surprise to anyone who has read my book that there are certain fats we don't use in our food, namely seed oils, which are very common in pet food. And then there are different types of fats that we found can have really amazing health benefits uh, for reducing inflammation in dogs. And so um, I call them Cocomega Superfats, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today are superfats. And, you know, I think it's cool because I remember when I learned about the endocannabinoid system and how basically it's fat communicating in our body. And when I learned that I had to, if I wanted a dog to be able to absorb a full spectrum hemp extract, that one of the best things I could put it in is a coconut oil or an MCT oil. And you've written a whole darn book about it, which is pretty incredible. So I want to say it's incredible that you've completed a fantastic book on the subject and that you've created a food, an amazing food, and I think, I always think I can't imagine creating a food, but I know where you come from because I went to school, I learned about the endocannabinoid system and cannabis and then turned around and tried to find that product I could give my dog and couldn't find it and ended up creating it. I'm going to guess the same thing happened to you where you were literally going, if we know this, then why isn't there a food that is supplying it? Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, definitely. And I, I was very surprised to not find very much dog food before starting the company that had coconut oil. My research into this topic has uh, gone up a hundredfold since launching the company, and it's all kind of summarized in my book. But I think in the early days when we were launching Perfect Hibble, which despite the name is an air-dried dog food, 
you know, I, I was just so confused. Like, why are there so many seed oils in dog food? And um, that that's like a longer topic that also has to do with uh, cost and industry regulations. To formulate a dog food without them is uh, actually more difficult than you would think. But uh, that's something we did. Like, dogs definitely don't need seed oils in order to survive and especially not thrive. They're very high in omega-6 so just to start, like in human nutrition, you always hear people talk about omega-3s and you rarely ever hear people talk about the benefits of omega-6s. Oddly enough, in the pet food industry, people are just always talking like in Facebook comments and on Reddit, people are oddly talking about the benefits of omega-6s. And I started to ask myself, why is this happening? And it turns out that a lot of the major pet food brands, the big names like Purina and and brands like that, have written a bunch of articles talking about the benefits. It's like literally titled The Benefits of Omega-6s. And so a lot of people read these articles and then they just repeat what they've read on the internet. And, And so unfortunately, you know, it's like, Dogs are biological creatures just like humans. And actually, Amen. omega-3s and omega-6s uh, operate the same way. So when you look at the, and this is something I talk about in my book, The Canine Coke Omega Effect, that so AFCO's industry requirements for omega-3s to omega-6s is 1 to 30, meaning your dog uh, can eat 30 times more omega-6s than 3s you want to normally try to achieve a one-to-one ratio. So that's pretty far off. Most dry kibbles are at closer to a one-to-16 ratio, so still very far off. And actually, that's uh, basically the same ratio as American fast food. So we're pretty much just feeding our dogs fast food every day uh, in the form of dry kibble. There are all sorts of other problems uh, with, with dry kibble, just in the way it's made, stuff like that. But you know, the first thing we can do for our dogs is just like we've explored across many, many studies, getting that balance right. You know, omega-6s cause the production of inflammatory molecules like PGE2 and cytokines. It's not just like a made up uh, kind of like woo-woo thing. It's like actually they just like biochemically transform in, in our bodies and our dog's bodies into inflammatory chemicals. And so the best way to inhibit those is to just get the omega-3s higher. So talk a lot about that in my book and the benefits that adding coconut oil, because it has MCTs and lauric acid in it, that there's very recent, interesting, like incredibly interesting research showing how if you add coconut oil to omega-3s, it'll actually boost the omega-3s effectiveness. It has all sorts of other benefits for the microbiome, particularly microbiome diversity, which is associated across all studies with longevity. So, um, you know, extrapolate from that also like reduce cancer rates, reduce disease, all the bad things, reduced obesity, also that. But like it is just across all microbiome research, we tend to use microbiome diversity as like a basic biomarker to look at because it is so correlated to longevity. And that's one of the really cool things that this Coco Mega effect uh, kind of helps extrapolate and grow. And the reason 
that they're not using the coconut oil most likely is because it is more expensive and they are using the seed oils because they're cheaper? That is definitely a main reason. So uh, going deeper into it, AFCO, who's the industry regulator in the US, does have minimum omega-6 requirements. So like to meet those requirements, you can meet it through things like meat. However, uh, you just look at all the fake ingredients that dog food brands tend to use, and then they tend to use a lot of high-carb fillers, so they're reducing the, the protein amounts. These are all things that like my brand has been very much fighting against. Like that's why our recipes are low carb. It's why, you know, like uh, having too high carb of a diet is also inflammatory. So, you know, we, we try to balance these things in, in our own way, but you know, at a minimum you have AFCO's omega-6 minimum amounts. So to get there for a lot of brands, they have to boost it with things like sunflower oil, safflower oil, if they're really bad, canola oil, (coughs) Purina. So, you know, but those aren't necessary. It just means that we're not using enough amounts of the right ingredients. And and so in addition to that, then you have other fats like um, salmon oil, fish oil, flaxseed oil, and, you know, (laughs) coconut oil. All of these are really shown to be beneficial in terms of, uh, and, and I'll, um, you know, there, there are definitely people out there who will debate me on coconut oil. Coconut oil is, um, especially the MCTs and the, uh, lauric acid. And a lot of people even debate over the lauric acid. What's the problem with the MCT? I didn't hear that. I know about, and I will, I would love to address that, you know, at the end of the podcast, but what's the issues with the MCTs? Well, you know, I think a lot of people, one, extrapolate uh, human nutrition onto dogs. So uh, maybe a concern in human nutrition with MCTs if you're taking it. So like when the amounts I would talk about for humans, because uh, the Coco Mega effect also works in humans and there's research to back that. Basically, my book uh, cites 162 clinical studies supporting my thesis here. So with MCTs, the... MCTs are a saturated fat. So for people who are more prone to heart risk, like that might be a consideration that they would take into account. But it also really depends on how much MCT you're taking, like the amounts that people are taking uh, on the keto. And I'm someone who was on keto for two years previously. But, you know, the amounts that people are taking on that versus like just the amounts to kind of like produce this cocoa mega effect are way different. Um, there really isn't even a risk in humans, in my humble opinion. However, um, with dogs, uh, there are so many studies that have been done on dogs showing that saturated fat doesn't uh, have a negative, any sort of negative health implication related to heart disease in dogs. It also kind of makes sense, right? Like they, even though they are omnivores, they are carnivores by nature, like they lean carnivore. They always ate high saturated fat diets. In fact, you know, 45% of their total diet uh, in the ancestral world is is fat. So um, fats really aren't, shouldn't be that debatable for dogs uh, whatsoever. And, but you know, like there's one person who's pretty notable in the pet community. I won't call her out here because I think that she and I have like a, a decently good relationship, even though we could not debate more on this coconut oil. She's the biggest hater. And, you know, one one thing I would call out about like her stance is, her whole thesis on like some of the potential like dangers to dogs of coconut oil 
are all based on four very small rat studies. So I'm like, okay, like here's 162 studies showing that like overall this is like extremely healthy. And but that, but that and, same person went from being the biggest fan to suddenly changing. Oh also, no, she was never a fan of coconut oil. She's always been oh, a hater. okay. So then I'm thinking of a different person. And I am looking like at it and I wanted because I couldn't remember what the controversy. So I'm talking about another person who went crazy on it and they were the biggest fan, treated all their dogs, loved it and then turned. And there was other controversy of why they did that. So what is that controversy with the um, lauric acid? I think is one of them from that 2012 study. Was that the one that you that I read in your book? Yeah, well, I have notes and now I can't remember where I got everything from. And, you know, is that the is that the study that you're referring to and that they keep referring to? Well, there are different studies that people refer to the in terms of dogs. I cite probably eight studies. So just to give you a frame of reference, like there there were two studies done over the last three years by pet uh, Hills Pet Nutrition that really <laughs> prove oddly enough right uh right. I, I always i always joke uh and i i hope uh they're they're one of the best research departments out there so if they would just like make better food uh what imagine right. what could happen i know uh but you know i feel like i've really written a book based on a lot of the research that hills has done oddly enough and, and then made um, a real food <laughs> And, and made, yeah, we're about to launch a, another one that incorporates it like uh, even more in a different way. So yeah, Perfect Kibble definitely is kind of like formulated even even before I knew about the Coco Mega effect. You know, we were formulating this really based on the idea, really based on studies showing that like coconut oil had benefits, omega-3s had benefits, but uh, it's really the research that has been done at Texas A&M as well as uh, Hills Pet Nutrition that show that combining lauric acid, MCTs, and DHA, a type of omega-3 together, uh, have these, these synergistic health benefits on each other. And then even further than that, I call in my book, I call fiber the carbohydrate superfat. Because even though it's technically a carbohydrate, it, it converts in the microbiome into short-chain fatty acids. And when that happens, and if we can even like enhance that, which does happen when you add the coconut oil to it, then those short chain fatty acids uh, actually increase the absorption of the omega threes into cells. So um, all of these things have really interesting synergistic benefits. Um, I think that this this whole concept of synergistic ingredients is very new. I think I'm probably one of the first people to write about it, but I think that this is going to be a really interesting area of research over the next 10 years. Yeah, maybe. And that's why I love you so much, because that's literally what I do with my tinctures is that I put adaptogens that are synergistic and work towards one thing or another. So it's the same type of thing. It, it doesn't make sense to me that if we know that, if we know putting three adaptogens together is more powerful than just putting one, then why wouldn't we put three together exactly. you know, instead of just giving one? Well, and that really gets into diversity. Like another thing that no research has been done on yet, but uh, is my like personal hypothesis is that people ask me what type of fiber to feed their dogs. And, um, you know, obviously there's been research done on things like inulin, even soluble soluble corn fiber is 
showing positive benefits, oddly enough, as long as it's non-GMO. So, you know, it, it's really interesting, but I think what we're going to find out over the next 10 years or so is that all these different types of fiber, like if you took apple fiber and, and compared that to inulin and compared that to like orange fiber and beet pulp fiber, I, I think we're going to find that all of these produce different types of bacterias in the microbiome. And so the best thing we can do, like you're saying with the adaptogens, is just right now really have a variety of them and so that we promote ultimately what is going to become microbiome diversity. Oh, I love it. Totally makes sense. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. What's the difference between getting an omega-3 from a coconut versus salmon? Well, uh, so coconut is a source more of like MCTs and lauric acid, whereas salmon oil is one source of omega-3s, particularly high in DHA. So the theory that I've heard is that instead of eating the salmon, to eat what the salmon eats to get the omegas. So the kelp or the seaweed or whatever. So this I can't claim is uh, deep in my research, but I know that there are certain types of algae that have omega-3s and seem to be high in DHA from like what I've just looked at with different products. So uh, I would tend to say that they probably are just as good, but I, I always put that caveat. I would like to see research. And also a lot of times when we get things from plant origin, they absorb much at much lower rates than uh, from animal origin. So uh, an example of that might be vitamin K, like vitamin K1 coming from a plant is going to have uh, about a 10 to 20% absorption rate in the body. Whereas vitamin K2 from an animal source is going to have probably more like an 80 or 90% absorption rate. So think about this in terms of formulating dog food. Uh, AFCO requirements, if you include sources of vitamin K from like different sources, it could be K1, K2, doesn't really matter. Uh, it'll still show as vitamin K and meet AFCO requirements, but uh, the absorption rate might be completely different. So wow. there are all sorts of like very important things that ultimately show that the safest thing we can do is just feed our dog natural food. When we do that, we kind of avoid some of those challenges. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think that Perfect Kibble, I mean, we've had a lot of success there in terms of like dogs who have been on Apoquil, like different allergy medicine. We've had success with dogs who like... I'll tell you what, I had a friend come to me, his dog had major constipation. It was going on for weeks at this point. And so wow. he, and I, and originally I was like, yeah, like try perfect kibble, man. Uh, and he, he didn't do it. And uh, he's actually like a holistic doctor as well. So he's like big into plant medicine and stuff. Still didn't do it. And so uh, he comes to me a couple weeks later and he's like, dude, like my dog is in a really bad situation. Like, what should I do? And I was like, give your dog perfect kibble. 
give them the salmon oil and like, let me know how it goes. And so we like rushed it to him. His dog's constipation was fully healed in 18 hours. So, you know, it's little, it's just like one, if we just get our dogs off of dry kibble, that's such a big start. That's where you see like the majority, like the huge changes, especially happen there. Then after that, you know, I feel like once you're a wit, you're out of that, you're more like looking at raw, fresh, dehydrated or freeze dried food or air dried, which happens to be the best way to cook uh, dog food, in my opinion. Once you're at that stage, you're really optimizing your dog's nutrition. And so from there, like there are many reasons you may want to like go different directions, but I'm very excited that our, uh, our upcoming dog food perfect feast, it's actually going to be kind of like a nose to tail diet. And so um, it's kind of like all the benefits of raw where you're getting all the vitamins and minerals from organ meat primarily. Uh, But then it's air dried so that you're getting rid of like pathogens, which have negative effects on the microbiome. You're ultimately just like getting all these benefits. To me, it's like the perfected dog food. And how, so air dry, how do you cook a food by air drying it? I love the concept and I think it's, wonderful. So you're not HPP. So does that mean it's got all of the good bacteria intact? I mean, honestly, when you're cooking food, you are trying to get rid of most bacteria. And so that, I I don't know that I look at like uh, dog food as being like the primary source of where you want to get probiotics. I think it's like what will naturally provide vitamins and minerals, amino acids, and then it's the base nutrition that can then open up the microbiome to be receptive for bacteria that's naturally around them. So uh, when you think about like, um, I talk about in the book how this Coco Mega effect, specifically because of the lauric acid and how that interplays with everything, that has a probiotic-like effect. So it doesn't have probiotics in it. Like you can always give your dog probiotics. It's like been shown to be broadly beneficial But instead of like taking bacteria and putting them into our dog's uh, nutrition, we can instead open up space so that like bacteria from the surrounding areas can naturally, you know, kind of enter their digestive tract. And so that's the probiotic like effect that happens with the coconut from the Coco Mega effect. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool stuff because it ultimately is um, not just leading to microbiome diversity, because diversity can also have bad in it, right? It just means things are diverse. But what you really want to do is have the bigger percentage of that pie be good ba- bacteria, good families of bacteria, so to speak. And and so that's where like the research is being done today. Um, when you look at the like 2023 studies, a lot of it's really starting to identify like what are the good families, what are the bad families. And the cool thing is, is that like, yeah, all, all of these show that omega-3s and uh, coconut oil together produce like more good families. And so, yeah, you're, you're really, that's the way I look at um, kind of like structuring a microbiome. And the most important, like this can be beneficial for all dogs, all humans, all ages, all sizes, literally. But um, the best time to start is when your dog is a puppy. In that first 18 months of a dog's life, that's when the microbiome is being set. The same goes for humans. I don't know the exact date range on on us, but um, but as a as a baby, as a child, 
as we expose ourselves to things that promote microbiome diversity, you know, like more good bacteria. So like eating probiotics earlier in life or giving them uh, to your puppy will have effects that literally last the rest of their life. Unlike if we start giving them in old age, like they'll still have a benefit, but if you stop feeding them, they'll, they'll lose their effectiveness in three days. So uh, it's very cool stuff, especially if you start early. That is incredible. Is there a problem? Can a dog get too much? So I'm bringing this up again because I um, I know another vet who has a diet that she's made up and she was a huge proponent of coconut oil included in her recipe for her diet, you know, for people to make at home. Um, and she took out coconut oil because someone claimed it gave their dog pancreatitis. And you mm. talk to that. <laughs> Because yes. that's probably, and of course I hear this, I, I don't know if you know this, I have two brick and mortar stores. I used to go to them all the time and I used to hear it all the time, you know, with, with their dog. There's an issue in the first question I'd ask, what are you feeding? Oh, I'm feeding him. And of course it would be some sort of awful science diet or something like that. And I would be like, well, let's consider changing the food. Oh, I can't. Because he's got pancreatitis, so I can't give him oh, yeah. anything raw. I can't give him anything fat. And I'm going, oh my God. And I remember I'd go to, to my, you know, board of advisors who are mostly integrative and holistic veterinarians, and they'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> No, this just gets to all of the bad vet advice that is out there. And so when it comes to pancreatitis, and I I talked to pet parents whose dogs have pancreatitis like probably five times a week. Uh, I've opened up these calls on our website where people can schedule a nutrition call with me. Um, Anyone who's, you know, watching right now, feel free. How do they know? They're calling you and they say, my dog has pancreatitis. How do they know? They went to the vet and the vet said that? Yeah, usually by then they they've um they've at least gone that far. And so, you know, I, I get I get I have these conversations start from all points in the journey. I mean, someone could have a middle-aged right. dog and they like truly believe in a holistic diet and they're like absolutely terrified that their vet just recommended Hill's science diet to their I dog because they know that cornmeal isn't going to be the th- ingredient that makes them thrive. Uh, We get everything from that to like uh, people whose dog was just diagnosed with diabetes and pancreatitis and they're like going blind. Uh, By the way, when both of those are combined together, it's called diabetes type 3C. So I see a lot of that. That's like very common in dogs for currently unknown reasons. But so I I dove into this while writing my book because I too was curious about like I wanted to answer the question, like, is it coconut, is coconut oil causing pancreatitis? Uh, does it actually increase the symptoms? And so what we found in the research is that um, here, 90% of this topic is it doesn't matter what type of diet uh, or what type of fat, I should say, it, it's how much fat. So like uh, a lot of people whose dogs have pancreatitis, uh, I mean, I hear about flare-ups for all sorts of reasons, but it tends to be a meal that had like 30 or 40 or higher percent um, fat in it. It tended to be a very high fat meal in general. We can take 97% chicken, uh, very low fat, and we can add 2% fat to that, make that 5% fat. And that's not going to cause a flare up in pancreatitis. 
So it it's more about the overall level. And then even going further, uh, what the research found is that seed oils may, and I say may because um, I feel like there needs to be more research done on this topic to really be conclusive about it. But seed oils uh, did show higher causal rates of pancreatitis than other fats, uh, such as animal fat, coconut oil, and uh, and omega-3s. And so I, I think it would be reasonable to assume that the types of fats also probably uh, make a difference. Pancreatitis is a is a type of inflammation. So if we also think about like the difference between like an omega six versus an omega three, what are you know how how are those going to interplay with each other? The omega six is also causing the production of inflammatory molecules. So that's probably not going to do any favors for the pancreatitis incident. Whereas like if we're feeding omega threes, you know it may have a protective effect. So again, all these things, like for any dog with pancreatitis, and I do call that out in my book, that's the one uh, scenario where it's like, you really do need to be extra careful on the fat levels. And so, um, you know, I, in my book recommend basically like if you can get closer to the ancestral diet, uh, so, you know, it, it really depends on how much protein and fat are, are in the diet, but any around like a one to one, one, 1.2 to one, those are kind of the areas of protein and fat that I, I would kind of play in with your average dog. Um, that is also probably going to have long-term benefits for reducing the risk of diabetes, which has grown 2x in dogs over the last 20 to 25 years. So that's also a very alarming thing. I talked to so many pet parents whose dogs have diabetes. And so, you know, coconut oil has broadly been shown in dogs and humans to have benefits for both obesity and diabetes, you know, omega-3s as well. And so that that's just, uh, I really I really encourage when, when uh, people are looking at the, the amount of fat in their dog's diet, like for instance, schnauzers typically recommended a lower fat diet you know, you don't, you don't have to go way up to like the, the 30% of, uh, and when we talk 30%, even that's a little vague because in uh, the pet industry, we talk about like dry matter basis, which is like a kind of a theoretical number. But, uh, when we talk about like maybe having protein and fat aligned, I mean, you can still get two to one protein to fat, get the right fats in there to produce this, this cocoa mega effect. Like it doesn't really take that much of them uh, is is my point. Like it's it's actually a, a fairly small part of their total calories or or diet. So if anything, I I think that this will generally have uh, a protective effect. Like the coconut oil, I don't both the coconut oil and the omega threes and the fiber. Like I think that what the research would suggest is that this is probably going to have an anti-inflammatory effect. So that's probably going to play in favor of pancreatitis in the right amounts. So, and depending where you're getting your coconut oil and MCT oil from and how it's grown and processed makes a huge difference. Thank you for answering that. I completely agree with you. I have never had an issue. I use lots of MCT oil and coconut oil. I've had dogs of from come from everything, from coming straight off of kibble to being fed raw, and I've never had any issues. So every time I see or read about this controversy, I 
always trying to understand it because it never makes any sense because I've never had an issue because I don't think it's the issue. Couldn't agree more. We're out of time. I feel like we could talk another hour with you. And what I want people to realize is that you've written a whole book about it. You don't own a coconut farm or a coconut company or product. So I think that you're probably very passionate about it, kind of like how I am with cannabis and, and fungi, where it's like, these are such amazing natural sources for things that we need so much. So yeah, you're you're right, Angela. I I, I really do hate seed oils. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, uh, hopefully not hemp seed. No, no. That's actually a point that a lot of people have been bringing up lately, like flax seed and and uh, sesame oil. There's some and good stuff ones like out that. There. there are some good ones. We're we're uh, we're kind of blanket stating this. But no, but you you hate how they're being used, and that's what I respect and like. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Where can people find out more about you and your food and your book? Yeah, follow me on Instagram at Jaren Lucas. It's uh, spelled just like it sounds. Um, and that's a joke. Hopefully we'll uh, have it written out somewhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can get my book at yumwolf.com or Amazon. And uh, yeah, I encourage everyone out there to connect with me, especially if you have a dog. Yeah. And maybe you've heard something that was speaking to you that you're going to get some answers from Jaren. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Angela. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at MycoDog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.